thank you for joining me for another Sunday Afternoons with Reverend Lucretia. I'm so glad you're here. So the name of today's talk is God's Gift of Grace, and the song is Everything by Lauren Daigle. If you would like to listen to the song before you hear the talk, just go ahead and click on the link. It will be in the description down below. So we're going to be talking about the fact that grace is not earned. It is the unconditional love of God. Grace is love. God knowing what we need always and giving it to us if it is good for us. Also knowing what is not good for us and sometimes things we may want, and he doesn't give it to us because he ultimately knows what is best for us. Giving us the patience to wait when we need to and when we don't have the answers. Giving us the resilience to hang on when we are feeling overwhelmed. Thank you and gratitude are always the ways to open the door for grace. It heals us. It saves us from our errors in thinking. We're going to be talking quite a bit about our errors in thinking. We must be receptive to grace so that we are able to receive it. Grace is that unexpected gift we get in the form of an answer that we needed, which reminds us that God is always here. That phone call, that email, that song, that gift that sets us right. We need grace when we are out of alignment with the truth, when we feel lost or scared or tired or sick. Grace is God's love that comes to affirm that in fact we are not alone or broken or lost, that God is truly right there every single moment of every single day. It is our job to elevate our consciousness so that we are able to receive the gift of grace from God. So the definition, divine grace, is a theological term present in many religions. It has been defined as the divine influence which operates in humans to regenerate and sanctify, to inspire virtuous impulses and to impart strength, to endure trials, and to resist temptation as an individual virtue or as an excellence of divine origin. Reverend Carolyn Thomas is a unity minister, and she has an article called Awaken to God's Grace, and she says, grace can relieve us of the suffering that is created by our own thoughts. So we talk about the fact that our thoughts can sometimes to be cause us to be in pain when in actuality nothing is wrong. So she was divorced. She had changed jobs. She was living in a different house for the first time she was sharing custody of her daughter, and she was feeling disoriented and overwhelmed most of the time. She'd wake up in the middle of the night, and she didn't know where she was. She'd have to look around and get herself back to alignment of where she was living and whether or not her daughter was there. So there was one night there was a really bad storm and it was raining and thundering and lightning and she heard this horrible sound and she went and looked out the window and she saw a dead cat lying in her driveway. And of course she was heartbroken and scared and overwhelmed and she didn't know what to do. She didn't know any of her neighbors. She'd only been living there for a short amount of time. So she didn't even know whose cat it was. She'd never seen the cat before and so it was three in the morning she wasn't going to go knocking on doors so she decided to go back to sleep to decide what to do the next day and then when she woke up she was happy and she was like okay I got this I can handle it and she looked around and then she remembered the cat and she went and she looked out the window and what she saw was a really big branch lying in her driveway and she said I had felt such pain guilt disorientation and darkness during the process of the divorce that I had continued to color my world from a palette of dread and gloom. In the darkness of night, my thoughts and my imagination had teamed up to create a non-reality. So then again, we're talking about your thoughts can cause you to believe things that aren't true. I had been stuck in a pattern of expecting the worst, but on that morning, I woke up to a new reality. In my new awareness, I realized I could choose to see life differently 
and begin to change my thoughts. I could begin by looking at life in a new light, to refocus my thinking and to embrace new possibilities. What I needed to remember was that the negative thoughts that I was clinging to and holding in my mind were creating after their own kind. So, you know, we always talk about that what we think about gets bigger. She said, the law works whether the thoughts are positive or negative. I can choose whether to create more darkness or more light. I also needed to acknowledge another spiritual truth that the grace of God can override and deflect the results of a negative thought. While perceptions, feelings, emotions, desires, and imagination shape our world, we can be spared the full brunt of our negative thinking by God's grace. The light of God can transform the darkness and awaken us from fear to faith in a new and glorious dawn. I just love the way she put that. So Welcoming Grace, another article, another Unity minister named Reverend Margot Ford says, Grace is an upward pull of the universe, lifting me to the highest of my divine nature. We are taught that we have to earn God's grace and that somehow if we get enough points, we're going to go to heaven and that somehow if we do enough bad things, then we're not going to be allowed into heaven. And she says, none of that is true at all. Thomas Merton says, grace is not a strange magic substance, which is subtly filtered into our souls to act as a kind of spiritual penicillin. Grace is unity, oneness with ourselves and oneness with God. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works. We're going to be talking about that a little bit more later. Second Timothy 1.6 says, For this reason I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you. We are already grace-filled. We only need to remember all that this implies in our daily lives. So Swami Vivekananda, I know you've heard of him. He's a Hindu monk. And he says, God's grace is always blowing, but you must raise your sail. I thought that was a great way of putting it. We have to remain open and receptive and welcoming to the activity of grace within us. It's all about cooperating with grace. So Tiagi Jayadev, he's the founder of the Ananda Yoga Academy of Europe, says that the soul is free, joyous, and powerful. If we only identify ourselves with the body, it is as though we built an ego house around our spirit, complete with walls and roof. We receive much less of the sun's vitalizing light. The house separates us from our source of power. The powerful light of sun is God's grace. Yogananda says that in order to be successful on your spiritual path, it has to be a mixture of elements, 25% self-effort, 25% the blessing of one's guru, and 50% God's grace. The requirement for receiving grace is love. Swami Kriyananda says the secret of meditation is receptivity to God's grace in full awareness that God's power alone can liberate our soul. So grace, the master teach us, is not some capricious divine favor. Yes, it is the gift of God's blessing, but it is the one that we can consciously draw on by using specific yoga practices. And then they're talking about meditation. They talk about how meditation is the way to get in touch with that energy. Grace, far from being God's whim, relates to his law of love and receptivity. Grace shines through the skylight in our inner roof, and consequently, we need to go upstairs. Our job is to elevate our energy and our consciousness towards the skylight. Only in an elevated state of the soul are we able to open our curtains and let the sunlight of God's love enter. Yogananda defined grace as God's power. It is his power even when we draw on it unconsciously. 
It accomplishes everything that we achieve in our life. And our failures are due to lack of attunement on our part with that power of God's grace that flows through us, into us, and the more we are open to him, the more we will feel that grace. Grace comes the more we live in soul consciousness and the less we live centered in the ego. Remember, we had a whole talk last week about the ego. Meditation is pure cooperation with grace. In fact, to receive grace, Yogananda states, the right spirit is an attitude of unconditional love for God. The right place is within yourself. The right way is in deep and silent meditation. So Annie Lamont, I wanted to talk about her. She's our hero story for today. I'm sure a lot of you know who she is. She is an author. She's an activist. She's a spiritual leader. She is a teacher. She wrote her first novel at age 26. At age 65 last year, she completed her 18th book, and it was called Almost Everything, Notes on Hope. It was her 15th New York Times bestseller, the ninth collection of spiritual essays. She is a recipient of the Guggenheim Fellowship. She is also a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. She's been on Oprah's Super Soul Sundays many, many times. She's most authentic, down to earth. She's got these blonde dreads that she pulls back in a ponytail. She's a hippie through and through. Uh, her first spiritual trilogy, the first book was called Traveling Mercies. You've probably all heard of the book, Help, Thank You, Wow. That's one of her biggest bestsellers. She describes herself as a mixed grill of happy anticipation and dread. I'm kind of a worried person with a lot of faith. She was an anxious child coming from an unhappy family. She said she was bedeviled by ticks and migraines. At age five, she started to pray. And this was very unusual because her parents were atheists and they taught her not to believe in anything. Don't believe in anything. There's no God out there. That the arts and the music and the culture were the gods that you should believe in, but there was no actual God. They were very liberal. In eighth grade, she started drinking by 19 age 19, she was using drugs, cocaine, speed, and LSD. She said she was a desperate people pleaser. She felt like Swiss cheese and she was constantly trying to fill the holes inside her. I was taught that what I wanted was out there. She said, I didn't realize that it was an inside job. So at age 31, she converted to Christianity. She found this church that was very open and loving. So there was a thrift store that she used to go to and right across the street was this church. And she liked the music that she heard coming out of it. It was gospels, but it was also uh, civil rights anthems, Joan Baez, Pete Seeger, that she had grown up with that she really loved. And she said when she went in, she felt immediately like she was being accepted and welcomed. They didn't ask her to sign any piece of paper or make her promise that she was gonna do anything. She said she felt really loved there. At age 32, she got sober. Uh, she said, with the help of a lot of friends and bad swill, that bad swill is the coffee, uh, and also from Safeway Cakes, from eating that stuff, sugar and coffee is what people live on when they're in recovery. So uh, St. Andrew's Presbyterian was the name of the church. She said that helped a lot, the welcoming of those people. And she said she felt like God picked her up by the scruff of her neck when she needed it most. So she wrote a book on grace called Grace Eventually, Thoughts on Faith. And she says, grace is spiritual WD-40 or water wings. The mystery of grace is that God loves us all equally. The movement of grace is what changes us, heals us, and heals the world. To summon grace, say help and then buckle up. Grace finds you exactly where you are, but it won't leave you where it found you. And Grace won't look like Casper the Friendly Ghost, she says, but the phone will ring 
and the mail will come, and then against all odds, you'll get your sense of humor about yourself back. Laughter really is carbonated holiness, she says. It helps us breathe again and again and again and gives us back to ourselves. And this gives us faith and life and each other. And remember, grace always bats last. Oprah asked her about the book, Help, Thanks, Wow. And she says, when I was in trouble, I would always say, help me, help me, help me. I'm so hopeless. And then you get a break, a little grace appears. A little stamina you didn't have, a second wind, and you go, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I can tell you from personal experience, there are so many times where I get on my knees and say, please, God, help me, please, God, I can't figure this out. I need you to help me. And he always, always, always gives me answers. It might not be right away. Sometimes it is right away. Sometimes I can just get on my knees and say, please, give me strength, give me help, give me a second wind, and I always get it. She says, then I realized that if you were stuck spiritually, if you just went outside and looked up, you would say, wow. So if you go outside in the daylight and you see the mountains or you see the garden or you see the flowers or you see the birds or even if you see the rain or if you see the ocean, if you go at the nighttime, you look up and you see the stars and you see the moon and you will always say, wow. She says, this side of the grave, we really don't understand the mystery of God and grace. We get little shards here and there. We know so little and we think we know so much. So her favorite scripture passage is Philippians 4, 4 through 7. So she was outside one day and there was a street fair and there was an artist that was making cups and he would write whatever you wanted it onto the cup. And she asked for Philippians 4 through 7 to be there. But he got arrested in the middle of doing it because evidently his license, he didn't have the right license and he wasn't allowed to be selling on that street or whatever. So all he had was Phil on the cup. So she said, I spent many, many years of my life calling God Phil. I thought that was wonderful. She says, thank you in advance for your wonderful mercies. She says, I say that all the time. There is grace in that. So at 35 years old, with three years of sobriety under her belt, she says she was passionate and filled with faith. She wrote Operating Instructions, a journal of my son's first year. So she was a single mother. She didn't have much money. Her best friend was dying of cancer. And she said she wrote this book so that she could help other single mothers out. It was really just a testament to her living. Um, but it turned out to be a book that was very, very successful because it was so authentic and honest. So she says things like, there was one chapter in there where she said, I wanted to wrap my son up in a whole lot of clothes and make sure he was warm and he was cared for and just put him on the porch for one night because I needed to get some sleep so bad. And she says, I totally understand you're not supposed to do that. But the book is so well loved because it's so honest that way. And it just says what moms are really, really thinking. So it was wonderful. She says, the movement of grace toward gratitude brings us from the package of self obsessed madness to a spiritual awakening. Gratitude is peace. You want to know how big God's love is? It's very big. It's bigger than you're comfortable with. So that's why we talk all the time about being able to receive it. Help is on the way 100% of the time. Even at my most forlorn and scared, when I've asked for help, it has always arrived. Usually I have to surrender and give up on having any more good ideas to experience grace. Because as long as you think that you're in control and that your ideas are good ideas, then you fall down on your butt and you give up and all sorts of funny things start to happen. Somebody will arrive, help you to get up, dust off your butt, point you in the right direction. She says again that it's out there like being in the ocean and having on water wings from Walgreens. You start by saying, I'm sort of semi kind of okay. 
So I loved Annie Lamont. I will give you uh, links in the description for some of her books. Um, she's a very, very well-loved author, and, and you'll see why the moment you open up one of her books. So scripture, we're going to talk about grace 124 times. You know me, I love those numbers. It 124 times grace is listed in scripture. Ephesians 2.8, this is a different reading of it, says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. So in other words, no one can take credit for it. It's all from God. God's grace is kindness, unmerited favor, forgiving love. No human effort can contribute to our salvation. It is the gracious gift of God. Salvation is free from error thinking, free from sinning, free from thinking that you are ever separate from God. And reminder that sin just means to miss the mark. So when you do something wrong, you are trying to do something and you don't do it, or, or you do something that's out of the nature of who you really want to be, that's sinning. Zondervan says, a decisive feature of the new covenant that runs counter to many popular misconceptions about divine salvation in Paul's day is that there is nothing a person can do to earn favor with God. Some Jews believe that ultimately the sum total of their works would be weighed on judgment day and they would determine then whether they had sufficient merit to be saved. So grace is a term that is used by biblical writers with a considerable number variety of meanings. The first is that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, charm, sweetness, and loveliness. The second is goodwill, loving kindness, and mercy. And the third is the kindness of a master toward a slave. Thus, by analogy, grace has come to signify the kindness of God to human beings. The Greek word is charis. It's used to express the concept of kindness given to someone who does not deserve it, hence the undeserved favor that is bestowed on sinners that we read about in the Bible all the time. Grace also regarded as a sustaining influence enabling the believer to persevere in their life. A special gift of grace is imparted to the humble. They talk all the time about how those who have humbleness and willingness to serve God are given grace. Grace can also refer to the capacity for the reception of divine life. So Acts 11.23 says, When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Acts 20.24 says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Romans 4.16 says, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. And Romans 11.6 says, And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. So let's talk a little bit about the physical definition of grace. Unity School put together a 75-page course on grace uh, called The Metaphysics of Grace. It has selected extracts from the greatest writers in Unity. And they say, grace is the love of God expressing as God's divine nature, which must also be ours because, you know, we're created in the image of God. It is the activity of love expressing as true salvation from error thought and conditions that are brought on by those thoughts. The true nature of God as law is realized not through merit, but through grace, which is love. No one really feels he has earned love, for love from any source is felt as a free gift. The word grace is synonymous with love. It is unconditional, impartial, and unsolicited. It is perpetually operative and fully accessible to all. 
There is nothing we can do to increase its availability, but we can resist it by holding the thoughts and feelings that are opposed to the nature of love and the nature of being. So when we act in ways that are not loving, then we can resist the nature of grace. Grace is an inner realization that we are already one with God, always have been and always will be, that the only separation is a false belief in our own mind. The only time that we think that we're separate from God is because we've caused ourselves to think that. It's not true. Revealing Word says, grace is goodwill, favor, disposition to show mercy, aid from God in the process of generation. The real saving, redeeming, transforming power came to man through the work that Jesus did in establishing for the race a new and higher consciousness in the earth. We can enter into this consciousness by faith in him and by means of the inner spirit of the law that he taught and practiced. Salvation is a free gift from God. It is grace. It embodies a knowledge of God that frees one from all limitations and points the way by which mind and body may be lifted up to the spiritual place of consciousness. Grace is the most benevolent activity of God known to humankind. It is the regenerative power of love that literally saves us from the full measure of our own mistakes. It is the power within us to overcome and transform any negative state of consciousness as outer manifestation. It heals, purifies, regenerates, and restores us to our natural state of wholeness. So here's what I know. So when God gives us the answers we are looking for, brings us the right person, gives us the break we needed, the song, the book, the lesson, it is an example showing us that when we were afraid, we were actually just out of alignment with the perfect truth that all is well and that God is in charge of all of the details. He sends us the message in some surprising, unexpected way that brings us back into the alignment with the truth that all is well. God's grace for me, it's always a surprise. It's always when I need it most. I can ask for help and it comes. It always has come. I have never been disappointed. Sometimes it's taken longer than I wanted. Sometimes it comes right away, but it is always given to me. Even when I screw up, especially when I screw up, God is always there to get me back on track and remind me I'm human. It's my job to trust and believe and have faith always. My job is to be willing to receive and accept God's grace, to elevate my consciousness so that I can let in the light. Remember at all times, the power is in you. It always has been and it always will be. Please remember to like and subscribe by hitting the little button and remember to visit my website, Lost Inside Ministry to get all of the details of all of the other work that I am doing. I hope you are taking very good care I send you on your way with many blessings.